Thank you for joining our broadcast today at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Please take a minute to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us bring God's word to other people. You can go to our website at citylifechurch.cc to find the giving options that works best for you. Now in today's message, Pastor Tony will be delivering an encouraging word that we know is going to touch your life. We pray that you listen with expectation, believing that everything you need from God, he's going to do it. Enjoy today's message. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. We're going to continue our Heart Smart series. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Your Bible may say this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We've been talking about conditioning our heart and making sure our heart is right before God. I told you that several weeks ago I read an article and it talked about heart disease is the number one killer in America. They called it the silent killer because many have heart disease and it's undetected until it's too late. But I would also say there's an epidemic in the body of Christ and there is a silent killer out there where people's heart is being silenced and the rhythm of their heart is being put off balance. And even at times, the enemy is causing so much chaotic catastrophe in their life and they've allowed so many things in that their spiritual heart has stopped. That's why Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. If you were to go to a doctor for a heart checkup, um, and I shared this several weeks ago, he would ask you three questions. First, he would ask you about your family history. My family has a history of heart disease. I would share with my doctor that my father has had heart disease and my father has high blood pressure. He would write that down on a chart so he would know how to evaluate me. So he had to know how to look at my life and compare because genealogy and your family history is very important. Your culture, your surroundings are also very important when it comes to your spiritual heart. There are things you have to watch for in your genealogy. If there have been struggles and spiritual strongholds in years gone by, it may be an area that you need to be wise and use wisdom how you walk. If you have seen a struggle and addiction in family members for generations, it may be that you need to guard against those areas because you are susceptible because they have been attacks and strongholds in your family for some time. And I find that, that our culture at times even conditions our heart. Now, now listen to me. Your culture is no excuse for you to walk in ignorance. I'm going to say that one more time. Your culture is no excuse for you to walk in. And you say, well, pastor, what do you mean? Just because you've been raised in the deep south gives you no right to be a racist. Just because you've lived in an area, maybe where things, well, you know, I was just raised. That's just how the way we talk. That's just the way we thought. There's no excuse. The Bible is plain. The Bible teaches us that it is a sin. There's no, no excuse for you to live a life with a poverty mindset. We said, pastor, I was raised in the hood. You don't understand. We didn't have anything. There's no excuse for you to allow the culture of your life to define who you are or where you go in life. Why? You have been redeemed. The Bible said, oh, 
old things are passed away and all things are being made new. God wants to come in and transform your thinking so you are not conformed to the culture of this world, but you are conformed to the culture of Jesus Christ and the image of Jesus Christ. He wants you to be an image of who he is in the earth. Are you glad he's working in your life? Are you glad that he has given you a rule book, a roadmap, a cookbook, everything you need right here? Every answer is in this book. Every challenge is answered in this book. And somebody's going to go home and try to cook out of Deuteronomy today. (laughs) All the ingredients for the recipe of life is in this book. And when you allow it to be the force and the barometer that guides you, things work out. Not only would they ask my family history, they'd ask about my diet. They would ask about my intake. But you know, it seems to me that everything that's bad for my heart is good. I don't know why a Big Mac's not healthy, you know? It's got special sauce on it. You know, I don't know why the extra large fries is not good. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. I mean, I think the more salt, the better. I've tried that Mish's Dash, and it seemed like it came right from hell, you know? I mean, it was horrible, you know? But, you know, those things aren't good for me. Everything I like seems to be bad for you. But if you ask me about my diet, what about my intake? Because what you put in you comes out of you. The diet you are feasting on, if you're feasting on negativity, eventually negative thoughts will become negative words. If you're feasting on things that are not right or not pure or not holy, that's why the Bible said think on these things. Those things will come. Everything you allow into your life becomes a seed and it eventually will produce a harvest. And if you're feasting on the wrong things, a harvest eventually will be released in your life. But here it is right here. The harvest is always greater than the seed. When you plant an apple seed, you don't get another apple. You get an apple tree. And on that apple tree, there are many apples that have seeds. And the harvest of your life is always greater than the seed. So you have to watch what you allow in so that your heart can be right, you know, and your heart can be be fixed on Jesus and not these things that try to war against your heart. He would ask my family history. He would ask my diet. And then he would ask me about my activity. Do I exercise? Do I exercise? Now you can look at me and see I exercise four or five times a week. Matter of fact, just the other day, my wife, Casey, told me, she said, you have the body of a God. I, man, I, I felt good. She said, Buddha. <laughs> I'm joking. She didn't really say, she's, all three services, she's looked right at me and shook her head. She didn't say that. I'm, I'm joking. I'm in trouble. Like... <laughs> and I was feeling all good, you know, and... But he would want to know about my activity because proper activity is conducive to a healthy heart. And proper spiritual activity is conducive to a healthy heart. Am I active in the things that I need to be active in so that my heart stays pure? Am I active in the things I'm active in so that the the flow of life stays pure? Am I active in the things I need to be active in so I can walk and I can fight the good fight of faith the way I've been called to? Three things. He'd ask about my history and my surroundings. He would ask about my diet and what I'm ingesting. And he would ask about my activity. And that is really true in our spiritual life. That's why Proverbs, when it tells us to guard our heart, we have to walk 
watch what we allow conditioning us because you are going to be molded by something. There are going, there is going to be a force in your life that molds you. There is going to be things you ingest because we all live life and there are going to be activities we're all involved. We have to guard our heart that they are the right things because what we produce guards and guides our life. And there are times our life is being guided by the wrong things because the Bible said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. But the Bible also tells me that my steps are ordered of the Lord. And if I can't see God, I can't see the steps. If I can't hear God, I can't hear his voice for the next season. If I can't understand who he is, then I do not have an image of who he is. I will get off track and I will not run the race he has called me to run. But the good thing is he allows me through his word and by his spirit to have a heart that is continually renewed that I can fight a good fight, that I can walk and run the race that is set before me and I can hear the voice of God. And the Bible says that the sons and daughters of God, they are led by the spirit of God. So here is the good news. God wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to declare a future and a hope for you. But we have got to be willing to listen and have our hearts aligned for God's purpose. We've talked the last few weeks about some enemies. We're going to continue that this week. I'm going to run through these we talked about last week real quick. So if you weren't here. You know, all of these enemies of the heart are really, really simply this, a debt-to-debtor dynamic. A debt-to-debtor dynamic. That's why the Bible teaches us not to be in debt. It's not just about your finances. You can be in debt to a lot of things. You can be in debt to a past. You can be in debt to relationships you're no longer in. You can be in debt to strongholds and addictions. You can be in debt to finances. You can be in debt to a lot of things and they become a noose, the Bible said, around your neck and they drive you and they begin to lead you. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As you are forgiven, release others. Here it is right here, guilt. Guilt is an enemy of the heart. We hit these real quick. Guilt is simply this. I owe you. It's where I feel like I owe you or owe God something, even though I've been released or I forget. God's plan is not for you to live with guilt. Now, there is a conviction of the Holy Spirit that speaks to you at times and nudges you when you're not doing the right thing. They're totally different. Guilt and condemnation and shame are all partners. And when you begin to live in guilt, they bec- it becomes a burden too heavy for you to bear. It becomes something that you cannot, you will not be able to live your life with purpose and carry guilt and shame. You're not built for it. You're not wise that way. You've got to let it go. You've got to release it. When God forgives you and you confess that sin, this is what the Bible said. The Bible said you are justified. What that means is this, just as if you never. And when you understand that you have been redeemed and justified, I don't have to carry the weight of that sin any longer. I let it go. Why? God let it go. And when you have went to someone, even though maybe you wronged them and you let them go and you they let you go or you have done your part and asked forgiveness, even if they've not received it, you you're done. That's where you need to let it go. Guilt is an enemy of the heart and it will have an IOU mentality where you always feel like you're in debt. Not only is guilt an enemy of the heart, greed is an enemy of the heart. I told you last week, God does not bless stingy people because God desires you to be a conduit, not a reservoir. Sometimes we live in a reservoir mentality. I just need to get more stuff. I need to get all that's mine. I need to get everything that's owed to me. I need to get everything that I feel like I'm entitled to. And then we hold on to it. And God says, if that's what, how you live, that's all you'll ever be. 
But when you live with an open heart, open hands, you become a conduit for God's blessing. That's where God gets it to you and then he gets it through you. That's where God gives it to you and then he gives it to you to give to others, bless people, bless his kingdom. And that's when you become a good steward and he knows that he can trust you with more. Because the Bible said if you're faithful in the small things, you become a ruler. Now watch, all he says in the beginning, you're just being faithful. The next step is you being a ruler or a man or a woman of authority. He said, if you're faithful in the small things, you'll become a ruler over my Greed is an enemy of the heart. God wants to bless you, but he cannot bless you if you are dealing with greed and not have it resolved. Anger is an enemy of the heart. Anger is you owe me. You did something to me. You took something from me. You hurt me and you owe me. Sometimes we're angry even with God and anger is an enemy of the heart. You ever felt like you were just waiting to explode? Anybody ever done anything like this? You said something, you said, I don't know where that came from. I have. Anybody ever felt rage at the red light? I have. <laughs> it's been green three seconds. Ah! I did that once a bad day but but here's the reality some of us are dealing with unresolved issues in their the filter in which we live life and they're literally almost become a blanket that just weighs us down and at the wrong time we become this ticking time bomb waiting to explode and it crystallizes our heart and it jades our heart and our perspective and the way we see people and we see them through this filter of hurt and anger and we're just waiting to explode so when the pressure is applied if I were to grab hold of a beautiful Florida orange wrapped in its peel and I would squeeze it hard enough eventually what's in that orange the juice of that orange would break through and it would run through my fingers. Why? Because what's in it will eventually, when pressure is applied, come out of it. That's how you get orange juice. When you squeeze the orange hard enough and what's in you, when the pressure is applied, will eventually come out of you. And there are some of you, there's a layer of anger that you you can't even hardly see because it's buried so deep and you just keep putting more dirt on it. And I told you last week, every time you add a layer of dirt, you get dirtier. Every time you add a layer of dirt, it just gets messier and eventually it all implodes and it's not good the bible teaches us that anger has to be dealt with through the peace of god but those are not the only three issues and enemies of the heart the next one i want to talk to you about is jealousy jealousy is simply this god owes me god owes me god owes me how many of you know we're really owed nothing The Bible said we've been given freely the grace of the kingdom and we're to give it freely. But jealousy is this. God owes me. And everyone else owes me. And I begin to look through a set of lenses. And one of the the worst enemies, one of the worst tools that partners with the enemy of jealousy is self-comparison. And even today in this social media world, where every picture has been ran through 19 filters. There's a filter for everything today. I mean, on my post, I'm now six foot two. I mean, I just put my body right on the model, a fitness head model, you know? You know? I mean, you filter anything. And we self-compare and we live life through these lenses and reality TV and really none of it's real. It's all edited. It's all filtered. And we begin to look and I'm telling you, jealousy, the Bible teaches, it it tells us, I love this scripture right here. Let me read it before I get away from it. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. 
A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. One translation says it causes your bones to rot. I began to read out of a um, clinical study journal and it said the root cause for jealousy is two reasons. Insecurity and poor self-image. Insecurities and poor self-image. I believe the enemy of the heart, there's a third, poor self-image of God. And you will never really see you until you see him. You will never get a glimpse of really who you are until you get a glimpse of who God is. And until you understand that the insecurities of your life will drive you, you will never be good enough. You will never be pretty enough. You will never be tall enough. You will never be thin enough. You will never look like you want to look because you are self-comparing. And we all do it. The other day, God had to come in and really just check me. I was sitting at a red light, and I'm being honest, and I was scrolling through some pictures, and I saw another church and another pastor that I know well something was happening a door was opening in their life they were being blessed and for a moment I thought Lord why would you entrust that to them I know them how did they get that how did that door open and immediately the Holy Spirit checked me and I I began to repent because I believe this if I cannot celebrate others God will not celebrate me and if I cannot bless others God I'm telling you I laid my hands on the phone and I said Father thank you for blessing them forgive me Father for responding this way bless them in greater ways Father because I believe if God can do it for them he can do it for me if God can bless them next time you see your friend get a new car and you're still driving the car that's being held together by Christian bumper stickers it's about to fall apart and you see them with another new car and you're like, they have two, they have three. Don't get cynical and say, Lord, when is my time? Look, you gave them another car. Here's what you need to pray, Father. I pray you just keep blessing them because if you can do it for them, you can do it. They got a raise and a promotion at work. Father, give them another season of elevation because I'm believing for a season of elevation. But jealousy will become an enemy of your heart and it will cause you to live a life that's jaded and your pursuit perspective to be jaded and you will live a life of self-comparison and it will destroy you. It will cause manipulation to set in and you will try to make your own way. But the Bible says that my steps are ordered. I don't have to try to make my own course. God has made it for me. He said there's a hope, a plan, a future. He said he knows all about it. And if I will trust in him, trust in him, that's good stuff right there. Another enemy, the heart's pride. Pride. Pride is simply this. Everyone owes me and I owe no one. Everybody owes me and I owe no one. The Bible teaches us this. That pride only leads to destruction. If you ever get to the point where you think you're a self-made man or a self-made woman. Have you ever heard that? I'm a self-made man. There's no self-made men in this room. Or living in the earth. He said, Pastor, I started with nothing and built the business. God gave you the ideal. He gave you the ability. He gave you the place. He gave you the wisdom. He opened doors. There's no self-made men and self-made. The Bible says, I am not created by my own self, but it is God who created me. The psalmist said, it is not me, we who made ourselves, but God who made us. And when you realize that God is working for us now, you may have been diligent. You may have been hardworking. You may have had ingenuity, but you're not a self-made man or a self-made woman. That's not even 
and scriptural. We have all been created in the image of God with purpose and a plan. And when I walk in pride, it sets me up for disaster. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. He said, if you do not watch out, pride will set you up for a great fall and a great calamity. But I love what first Peter chapter five, verse six says, he said, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress yourself in humility. He said, you know what? Young people, you do need to submit to those that are over you, but everyone needs to be dressed in humility as you relate to one another. God opposes the proud. You want to be on the opposite side of God? Walk in pride. Pride really becomes the root of most sin. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God and at the right time. Somebody say the right time. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. James chapter four, verse 10 says this. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. But if you will walk around in a spirit of humility because pride is an enemy of the heart and if it ever gets in you, you will think it's all about you. And if you ever do that, whether it's in a ministry or a business or a family, wherever it's at, you will understand that there's a fall in your future and destruction in your future. But if you come to a place and you ever find yourself humbled in God's presence saying, God, I realize without you, I can do nothing. Without you, I would surely fail. Without you, I'm weak and anemic. Without you, I'm frail and I'm human. But I know through you, I'm an overcomer. Through you, I can do all things because you give me strength. Through you, I am the head and not the tail, the first and not the last. I am the blessing of the God in the earth. And when I have that spirit, he says, I exalt you. I'll tell you what humility does. It becomes an escalator you get on and it just keeps moving you to new levels. It just keeps causing you to rise to new level. It causes you to, you don't have to do anywhere. You just step in the vehicle of humility and allow God to do it for you and blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon favor upon favor begins to come your way. It's all God's anyway. And he wants to position you. Here's what happens when these enemies of the heart come in. Whether it be greed or guilt, anger, jealousy, pride, they all cause trust issues to be developed. Where we have a hard time trusting people and ultimately trusting God. Insecurities begin to rise up and develop in each of us. And we're never enough. Fear grips us and silences our faith. Anxiety drives us. Worry seems to overwhelm us. Doubt sneaks in. Unbelief is developed. Hopelessness seems to abound on every side. And before long, we're making poor choices. We're making poor choices because the heart directs the course of life. And because I've allowed the enemies of the heart to begin to win the battle, the course is just sometimes gradually adjusted where before long I'm way off God's course for me. My mindset and the way I hear and ultimately the way I speak because Luke tells me that I either store up good treasure or bad treasure. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mount does speak. What's in me? 
eventually comes out of me. What's in me eventually flows out of me. We've been talking about these crazy disciples Jesus had. and I mean, they had issues from the very beginning. I mean, if I was planning a staff, they probably would have not been the group that I picked. Are you glad that God does the choosing? I am. I am. But he encounters this man named Peter, and we've talked about him for the last few weeks. And from the very beginning, Peter had issues. He was vacillating. And, you know, from the very first encounter with Jesus, he's just vacillating. And, and on and on it went. We talked about this the last several weeks. He'd walk on water one moment, and then he would sink because he would look at the winds in the way. Jesus lifts him out of the water, gets him back. And said, hey, man, where's your faith? You were walking on water. I was there with you, and you almost drowned. One moment, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, I love you. I'd go to death for you. I'd go to prison for you. Jesus said, I know you think that, but you have heart issues. You're going to deny me, not once, but three times, because heart issues cause you to get in repetitive cycles. You ever wonder why you do the same things over and over and over and over again? Because there's a heart issue. It's not an action, it's a heart issue. He said, you've got heart issues, Peter, and you're going to do it over and over again. Matter of fact, in John chapter 20, I'm gonna find you locked in a room because of fear. You never would have thought, you because know, you're, you're bold, but you're gonna be locked in a room because of fear. One day he was on the boat when Jesus was there with them, and they thought they were going to perish when Jesus was resting on the boat over and over and over and over again. Well, finally, right before Jesus is ready to leave, and we talked about this, Jesus sees him, finds Peter on a boat. Now what you have to understand is, where he found Peter was a place he found Peter in the beginning because heart issues cause you to keep going back to where you started heart issues cause you the Bible said a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways and it caused you to be pulled and Peter was right at the place Jesus found him and Jesus steps on the scene and this is what he asked Peter I see you're back on the boat I see you're back in the place I found you. I've just got one question. Is it fruitful? Have you caught anything? Is where I found you in the last season fruitful? If it is, have at it. If it is, keep going. If it is, more power to you. Is it fruitful? And this is what Peter said. We fished here all night long and caught nothing. See, the heart if conflicted, will drive you to places that are not fruitful. And then Jesus steps on the scene on a new day. Peter jumps in the water. It's a glorious event. Peter was one of those guys that could say nothing right. Every time he opened his mouth, the wrong thing came out. One time they came to get Jesus. Peter's a fisherman. He pulls out a sword, tries to be a warrior, tries to cut the man's head off, gets the guy's ear, the Bible said. Jesus picks up the ear. This is crazy. Peter, we've talked about this. Put the man's ear back on. Peter, we've discussed this. Puts the man's ear, I mean, just over and over and over again, issues. If I was picking someone to be the messenger of the New Testament church, it would have not been Peter. Maybe Luke. I would have picked someone else because every time Peter opened his mouth, it was trouble. But Jesus said, once I've not only been around you, because here's the revelation, and it just jumped out at me this week, being around miracles in the church was not enough. Seeing it was not enough. 
Just having an experience around me was not enough. Coming on a Sunday was not enough. Just seeing it happen was not enough. Because over and over and over, Jesus would ask this question, have you no faith yet? You've seen all this stuff. But once Jesus got in Peter, in Acts chapter 2, everything changed. The Bible said the windows of heaven began to open. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And the Bible said not only was the room full, but it sat on each of them. They all began to speak in a heavenly language. And the Bible said Peter broke out of that room and he was the mouthpiece that birthed the New Testament church. Now watch this. Up to this point, he could say nothing right because there were issues in his heart. He was vacillating. He was tossed by every storm. But now that the Holy Spirit is not just around him, but in him and Jesus is living in him, he was a warrior. He would rise up. And when he opened his mouth, boldness came out and authority came out. There are some of us, We are around the church, but the church is not in us because Jesus is the church. And when Jesus gets in you, everything changes. Everything is made new and we all need him to continually work in us and renew us. Now watch this. The Bible said that these same men, and we just talked about this just a few weeks ago, and I just jumped, I kept reading through the gospels and I get to this place in Acts chapter 3. It said, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom laid daily, somebody say daily, at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms to those who entered, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Somebody say, look at me. Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Here it is. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping and praising God. This is what happens. Now they're full of God's presence. They went to church every day. But because of conflicted hearts, They could not see the man sitting at the gate. But now that their heart is pure, not only can they see God, they can see people like God sees people. They can see themselves the way God sees them. And the Bible said they stopped at the gate. And this jumped out at me as I was reading this. They said, look at us. Not not just give me your attention, look at us. If you really knew the backstory of our life, There's some of you, you have a great backstory of how you got here today. If you really understood the backstory of our life, we were messed up. We had issues in our life. Every time we turned around, we were disappointing Jesus. He had to look for us. We said the wrong thing. We hit ourselves. We even denied at times. Matter of fact, Peter said one time, I went on a cussing rage, the Bible said. I was messed up. Look at me. But the same God that touched me can touch you. And he can move you from the gate through the gate. And here's what happens. The Bible said they saw the man in a different life, but then they were also willing to reach down. When you have a conflicted heart, it's hard to help somebody rise up. It's hard to elevate someone else. When you're dealing with issues in your life, it's hard to pick somebody else up because misery loves company. Usually we just sit down at the gate with them and grab a cup and try to beg for shekels. But now that they are full of Jesus, they reach down and they pull him up 
And the Bible said he jumped to his feet. But they didn't stop everything and say, oh man, a miracle. Let us announce we're now starting a healing ministry. No. The Bible said they took him by the hand and together they began to celebrate his miracle. The Bible said they went leaping through the gates, praising God. I'm telling you, something happens when you celebrate others, when you lift others, when you make something happen for others. You want to put victory and a stamp of victory on the issues of your heart. You want to put a stamp on your heart. Why? Because there's an enemy going around. And the Bible said he's like a roaring lion. And he's looking for people he can devour. Who can he devour? He devours the weak. He devours the anemic. He devours those that are conflicted in their heart. By every wave, they're pushed from side to side. And by every war, they begin to run and retreat. But he's looking for people he can pounce on. But there is no better way to put a stamp and put him on notice that you are done vacillating and you are done going back to help somebody else rise to another level. There is no better way to put the enemy on notice that your heart is pure and you have got a glimpse of God and got a glimpse of his plan than to help someone else rise up and walk walk in their destiny. The Bible said when they were done, not only did the man rise up, not only did he find strength, not only was he made right, but the Bible said he began to leap into a new place of destiny. I'm praying after this series and God speaks to our heart and for some of us, we shed guilt. For others, we release the spirit of grief. For some, we deal with our anger. For some, we make sure that we're walking in a right spirit, that jealousy is not in our heart. Or for others, we demolish pride and allow humility to raise in us, we walk in and we begin to leap into our destiny with a right heart and we get a glimpse who God is and we get right to the edge of the unknown and declare we are on our way because I have seen God and I have seen me and I have seen the future and I look better in my future than I do right now. Come on, jump to your feet this afternoon. Put your hands together. We're going to pray in just a moment. We have a friend that pastors in Austin, Texas, and he's a great songwriter, part of a great group that very well known, but he's a great pastor. And he wrote a song a few years ago that Danny Goki required, uh, recorded called It's Time for Your Heart to Beat Again. It was a great hit. And, but it all came from a story. Pastor Phillips has a young man in his church who was a renowned heart surgeon and they were talking one afternoon and he began to tell the gentleman how intrigued he was by heart surgery and heart transplants and this gentleman was one of the most well-known heart surgeons in Austin, Texas. He told him that he was just so intrigued about how he could extend people's life. So the heart surgeon looked at him and said, kind of like you, Pastor. So they began to talk. And the heart surgeon said, you know, occasionally we have surgeries that are observational surgeries. That's where students can come in and observe the surgery. So they're very difficult because we have to have the patient sign off, the doctors and the nurses and the specialists sign off, the hospital sign off, the insurance company sign off, all waivers of liability. So he said they're very hard to make happen. He said, but if we have one, I'm going to call you if you have an interest. He said, I'd love to come. A few weeks later, they called and said, we have one scheduled. He made time. He came. He said, it was amazing. He said, as they 
began to do surgery on this gentleman and they actually took his heart out. Sounds gruesome. But they cleaned it and they unclogged it and they did all of the things that they needed to do to prolong the man's life. So I watched as they put the heart back in the chest cavity and sewed the gentleman up. He said it was amazing. So then I watched as my friend, this doctor, went over to the patient, got down by his ear and whispered something. He said after the surgery, the doctor cleaned up. We went to lunch that afternoon. He said I told him how amazed I was at the gift he had to help someone live a longer life. And the doctor was very gracious. He said, I do have one question. He said, I noticed after the surgery, you walked over and you whispered something in the gentleman's ear. He said, what was it? He said, do you mind me asking? He said, oh, no. He said, I'm a believer that we are a body, a soul, and a spirit. He said, when I did all I could do and I realized the surgery was a success, I went over and I leaned down to the gentleman's ear and I said, sir, this is your doctor. Your surgery was a success. It's now over. But I need you to tell your heart it's time to beat again. Sometimes God does a work and he's waiting for us to tell our heart it's time to beat again. But I was so wounded in the last season. What will happen this season? I, I was broken in the last season. What will happen in this season? But the great physician, the greatest physician, has come into our life. And he has taken our heart. And he said, I'm going to do a work that's beyond medicine because it's eternal. But you've got to wake up every morning and remind yourself it's time for my heart to beat again. It's time to trust again. It's time to be secure. It's time to be confident. It's time to walk in the authority I have as a believer. It's time to believe for great things and trust a God that has all things under control, knowing everything about me, all of the issues of my life. He still declared a wondrous future. It's time to beat again. We're going to do something, then we're going to worship. I want you to take your hand today. I want you to look at it. I want you, if you would, to imagine this being the hand of God. And we're not talking about the small muscle the size of your fist that pumps blood throughout your body. We're talking about the core of your being. That core of you that out of it flows all the issues of life. I want you to imagine this is the hand of God. Now I want you to do something. I want you to place it right here. We're going to pray today. We're going to pray like the psalmist prayed. Where he said this. After a tragic event, the Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. But this is the way David prayed. Create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart. Why? I need to see you like I did when I was a field, when I was just a boy, when I would worship in your presence. I need to see you. Create in me a clean heart. Renew it in me a right spirit. So when I pray, just maybe you need to pray that today. We all need to pray that. Maybe just say, create in me a clean heart. I want you to leave this place today where the Holy Spirit just 
as he did with this disciple named Peter, not just around you, but he infiltrates your very life. Father, I love you today. And I thank you for your beautiful people in this great congregation. Thank you that you're working right now. Thank you, Father, that the issues that seem to battle our heart and our mind that would desire to control our life have been covered by the blood of Jesus and the cross. We as believers have authority and we take that authority today. So we pray as the psalmist prayed, create in me a clean heart. I'm gonna say that one more time and if that's you, just say that with me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit so I can see the right way. I can hear the right voices. I can make the right decision. I can step on the right stones that you have put in place for the next step of my journey. I can be in the right relationships and have the right attitude. And I can see people the way you see them. I can see you in your fullness. And I can see myself. I can see myself for who you've created me to be. So today, just work in my heart. Cleanse it, purify it. And I declare it's time for it to beat again. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayers that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. We also want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday or Wednesday worship experiences. You can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc. You can also download the City Life app on your smartphones or tablets for more online messages. It was great worshiping with you today, and we'll see you next time.